We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. This week's message is taught by our teaching pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Hey, well, welcome to Crossroads. My name is Pastor Brian. I am the lead pastor here, and I'm glad that you're with us here this morning. Uh, Before we jump into the message, I just wanted to take a minute to pray, kind of talk about what's happening here in the Northern California area. And and if you are normally joining us in a a service in person outside, man, I'm just glad that you're with us this morning, and and we're sorry that we had to cancel services outside. But but if you're in California, you certainly know that you probably have had ash on your car or orange skies outside, and because there's several wildfires burning all over the state. So out of an abundance of caution and safety for our team and your family, we've decided to cancel our outside services today. So with the heat and the power outages and now smoke-filled skies, we just wanted to have you have a, a safe and enjoyable service to watch. So we're thankful that for technology and the chance to worship together on our Crossroads online campus. In the last few days, we've received news even of our church members having to evacuate their homes So so maybe your family or your friends or even yourself have been affected by these times and these fires. And I just want you to know, man, we're here for you. You can visit crossroadsgrace.org slash fire to let us know if you have a specific need or if you can help meet a need. And we've also put up links for you to for other resources and, and updates on that site as well, too. So let's just take some time just right now. Pray for all those that are being affected by the fire and those brave men and women that are on the front lines battling those blazes. So if you would, let's just pray right now. God, we, uh, we come before you and, and we ask right now for something very specific. God, that you would provide rain and that you would provide a, a squelching of the fires that are happening all around California. God, that you would protect homes and you would protect lives and livestock and, and, and land. God, you would protect it all, Father, from these blazes that are happening. We pray for the men and women that are going into the, the front lines of the battle to be able to fight these fires and protect us. And God, I just pray a blessing on their homes and their families that they are, are away from while they're doing that. But God, we just ask again that you would protect our land, that you would heal our land, and that we would lean into you and trust you even that much more. But God, we pray specifically for these fires, Lord, that you would put them out, that you would extinguish them, and we could see your hand move. God, we just love you, and we know that you're in control, that you are sovereign. We trust you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here. I am proud to welcome you to week three of Lead Me.
Hey, listen, we're so glad that you're part of Lead Me because Lead Me is a series that's looking at how do we get led by Jesus? What does it look like to follow him fully? And at Crossroads, we really believe in that. And we want you to do that through community, not just by yourself. We want other people around you, which is why this fall we're getting ready to launch three groups that we want you to consider being a part of. Uh, One of those groups is called Rooted. Now, Rooted is one of the best things that we offer here. And it's a way for you to learn how to follow Jesus fully, whether you've known Jesus your whole life or you're brand new to your faith. Rooted is for you. We want everybody at Crossroads to go through that. And by the way, we have groups that are digital. They are in person, anything that is going to be able to meet your needs, we've got it available for you through, through, through these growth groups. So Rooted is number one. If you've already gone through Rooted, the next one we want you to do is called Life on Rhythm. It's like Rooted 2.0. It's the next step. And what they look at is God's design for work and family. So how do we follow Jesus fully in our work and at, in our family? This is going to be a group that you'll want to consider being a part of. And then the third one is called Financial Peace University. And Financial Peace University is one of the, the best things that you can do either as an individual or as a couple because through FPU you're going to find out how to use God's money God's way and it is so important that we get a hold of this because it's going to bring freedom to your life. Uh, But before we talk a little bit more about FPU, I just want to let you know that that community is not just something that we talk about, it's something we believe in especially during this time with COVID, if there's ever been a time in our history where we've been more fragmented and, and, and isolated, it is now. And we're realizing how much we need each other. And so community, growth groups is where that happens. And so I'm not just going to say, hey, think about it. No, I want you to do it. We've got some lofty goals that we want people to get involved with. And so we want you to be in part of it, whether it's digital, whether it's in person, couples, singles, men's, women's, you name it, we've got a group for you. But this group that we're talking about today, Financial Peace University, man, it is a tremendous, tremendous group that you can be a part of. My wife and I have gone through it, but you don't want to hear about from me all the time. I want you to hear from somebody that's actually been in it and has seen some great results. So would you help me welcome to the stage my friend, LaShawn Brown. Let's bring out LaShawn. LaShawn, thanks for coming. Appreciate you being here today. So glad that you're with us here today. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself, my friend, and uh, just kind of, kind of why you're here today. What's, what's going on? I'll tell you, uh, I'm a father to a uh, single parent home, just doing life, doing the best I can, raising two daughters, working hard, uh, just really trying to make sure I let God lead me in the best way I can. Yeah. It's just a day-to-day thing. Yeah, your daughters are awesome, man. They, they, they're amazing. And so, so single dad, and, and that's so crazy. So tell me a little bit, though, about like before FPU. So what did life look like before this happened? Before FPU, it really was me working, trying to pay bills, student loans, credit cards, and just trying to make it, just making one bill after another one day to day. And sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. But yeah. uh, I was trying to make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people shaking their heads right now saying, I've been there. I've been trying to make it, you know. So, so you, you got a hold of FPU. You got involved with that. Tell us what FPU did for you. Single dad, couple of kids, trying to do it. What, did it, what happened? You know what? I put it into just an acronym that's called REP. Okay. And that, what FPU did for me was it gave me relationships. It gave me encouragement. And it gave me perspective. And those were just invaluable. Yeah. In our world, we need all those things, don't we? Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so FPU was, is, was, was so cool. But you and I had a conversation. Actually, I was, I was working out. We were talking on the phone. And you told me, like, man, I'm really close. I'm in my, my last steps of FPU, but I'm in the middle of COVID. Yeah. So, so tell me what happened. Like, what was that about? Tell me about call with your mom, all that good stuff, okay? So, you know, 
COVID hit and a lot of things changed. But the one thing that I knew from FPU was that there was a game plan and there was a strategy. And God doesn't change. And he's the same through COVID, COVID not. Yeah. It didn't matter. Yeah. And I just had to rely and know that he was always there and I just needed to lean in even more during COVID. Yeah. And, and, then, and then you got to call mom. Oh. Tell her that. You called mom. That's awesome. You know, I'll never forget the date, April 15th. <laughs> and I got on the phone and I called my mom and I was like, mom, you know, I didn't see this coming, but it's here. And she's, and she was just ecstatic. She was overjoyed. We cried a little bit. We laughed a little bit because I thought my kids would have kids before I was done. <laughs> <laughs> But you had all your student loan debt paid oh. off and you did it. You did the hard yeah. work even in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. Like that's so cool. So, so let's do this. There's some people on the other side of this lens right now that they're saying, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go through FPU. I don't know if I'm ready. Maybe it's the $129 per household that's like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. Tell somebody that's on the edge why they should do it. The reason you should do it is because you will never make a better investment than the one you make in yourself. Because one, you were so worth it. I knew I was worth it. And now you get to reap the benefits afterwards. And so whatever it takes, make it personal to get out of debt. Because that will change your life. That's awesome. Man, we don't even need to preach anymore. LaShawn's got this all taken care of. So LaShawn, air high five. Thank you so much um, for being here, my friend. I appreciate you, you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and listen, you've got a special, special treat, special, special treat to be able to have um, today. And that is Ross Partridge is going to be available for you in the chat host right now, in the chat line right now. Because let me tell you a little bit about Ross. Ross is an FPU stud. In fact, he is a certified master financial, uh, financial planner through the Financial Peace University. Just amazing. And here's some stats from Ross. Okay, here's the thing. He has had, he's led 10 FPU classes, and that accounts for 545 lives changed, a total debt payoff of $817,765. The money that was saved, $425,611. And listen to this, 421 credit cards that were cut up and people that were getting out of debt. Boom. So Ross is available to talk with you at any time during the message. He is here today for you. You can touch base with him afterwards, but Ross is a tremendous asset. Take advantage of it right now and be a part of it. And get in a group, crossroadsgrace.org slash groups. That's where you sign up. We want everybody to be a part of it. I cannot wait to see what God's going to do in your life through it. Part of the reason that I love this Lead Me series that we're in is because it centers around leadership. Okay, so we turn the gears and kind of talk about this lead me. We look at leadership and I have always loved leadership, especially military leadership, military leadership. I mean, it's one thing to motivate a group of salesmen to beat a quarterly goal. That's one thing. Uh, it's, it's, another, it's one thing to fire up a, a team to, to face their crosstown rivals. You know what I'm saying? It is a completely different thing altogether to motivate and energize a group of men and women that are about to put their lives on the line. It is no small task to look a young person in the eye knowing full well they might not come back. But these military leaders know that there's a deeper mission that is our greater freedom that is at stake. And if you don't send them into battle, lives and freedom could be lost. 
One such military leader like this was General Sir Bernard Montgomery. Great name, right? He was a British general known as Monty. And he wore a now famous black beret, a twin cap with two, with two little emblems on the top of it. And, and that was what he was known for. And I'll tell you what, this dude was quirky to be sure, but he was an, a tremendous leader. And he used his popularity to inspire his men as few other commanders could ever do in World War II. I'll give you an example of one of his, his examples of this. And one, of it, one, of, one came as the, on the eve of a battle against the Rommel's Africa Corps in 1942. They were, the, the, the men were deflated. They were defeated. And so General Monty, he stood up and he said these words. Listen to what he said. He says, here we will stand and fight. There will be no further withdrawal. I have ordered that all plans and instructions dealing with further withdrawal are to be burned. And at once... We will stand and fight here. If we can't stay here alive, then let us stay here dead. They went on to win that battle and were part of the victory over the Germans in World War II. This is the impact of a great leader. That's what a great leader can do. And so in Lead Me, we're looking at the leadership of Jesus and why we should want him to lead us. We've been saying how Jesus is the greatest leader of all time and is the only leader that we should want to lead us spiritually. And this series is birthed out of our mission statement here at Crossroads. And that mission statement is this, is that we exist to lead people to discover Jesus and follow him fully. We exist to do those two things. And this isn't just like a Pastor Brian mission. Can I just tell you this? Everyone who calls Crossroads home, this is your mission. This is an everybody all skate mission, whether you are digital, in person, on the side, like this is your mission. And what we've been trying to do is to live out this mission in a very intentional way this year. The first half of our year, we actually decided we wanted to focus on what it's like to discover Jesus. But the second half of the year, we want to focus on what it means to follow. What does it mean to follow him fully and to be led by Jesus? We've already looked at uh, when choosing a leader for our life and our eternity that we need to be wise. We need to choose the right one. So for that reason, in week one, we said that the leader that we choose will determine the direction we go. Jesus is the greatest leader because he never asks us to do anything that he hasn't already done himself. We can trust him fully with our lives and know that the direction he takes us is the right one to go. But last week is the second aspect of Jesus' leadership that we looked at, and that looked at, and it was his voice. We said that we need to follow Jesus' voice if we want to go where he wants to take us. Because who we listen to shapes what we think, what we say, and what we do. Who we listen to shapes think, say, and do exactly what happens. If you want to go where Jesus is going, we need to listen to where he's calling us to go. So if you missed any of those messages, you can always go back online and, and they're, they're free at our Crossroads uh, website or you can get our free Crossroads Grace app. In fact, our online hosts right now, they are going to put in your, your chat window access to all of that stuff. So we'd love for you to do that. But today we come to a part of being led by Jesus that a lot of times we don't like to talk about. Um, it's the kind of leadership that is more attuned to General Monty than the light, happy, fluffy version of Jesus that we really like. Y you know what version I'm talking about. Th this version of Jesus that makes sure that you're tucked in at night and nice and warm, snug as a bug in a rug. That, that buys you comfy shoes so you never get blisters. That rubs your back when life gets a little hard. It's that safe Jesus 
that wants to make sure that we're really safe too. But Jesus, man, he was a different type of leader. You see, to follow a leader requires not only trust, but conviction in the mission that they've called us to. So back to the military. In the military, those that ignored the leader and abandoned the mission, they were known as deserters. They also had another, another nickname. Was, they were called AWOL or absent without official leave. They left their post. They left their fellow soldiers. They left the mission. They, left, they even abandoned their country. And so this is not even just demoralizing to the troop, but it undercuts the leadership and it jeopardizes the greater mission. Great leaders know the risks that are at take that are at stake, even when giving the decisions that they give people to make, like they have to, that they're supposed to follow. And listen, great leaders don't go AWOL, but they are able to see the bigger picture, understand the mission that is greater than any one person, including themselves. The truth is that to be led by Jesus is much, much more than just a, a handhold walk on the beach, looking at the sunset, waiting for the tide pools to form after high tide. No. Being led by Jesus means that he will take us places we would never go on our own to lead us places we never thought we could be. So, so let's just do this for a second. Let's take off the, 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 the kid Christian gloves. Let's do some real talk for a second. Let me just be honest with you. Being led by Jesus will always take you away from your comfort to bring you closer to his holiness. Somebody need to hear that again. That being led by Jesus will always take you away from your comfort, what you're used to, to bring you closer to his holiness. Great leaders understand the bigger picture. And Jesus, being a great leader, understands that bigger picture. Listen to how Jesus describes this bigger picture in Matthew chapter 16. He says it this way. For what does a man have if he gets all the world and loses his own soul? What can a man give to buy back his soul? Jesus is saying, listen, there is more at stake here. I know you want to be liked. I know you want to have lots of money. I know you think that this life is about having as much fun as you possibly can. But I'm telling you, there is more that you can't see. This life is short and the next one is super long. So trust me, I'll lead you where you need to be. See, as a pastor... One of the hardest things to do, and yet arguably one of the most important things that I do, is to speak truth and grace into people's lives that are losing sight of eternity for the sake of the instantaneous. And the reality is that hearing the truth that disrupts what you want to do, that's hard. Telling people that dating other people while you're married, that it's not honoring God, that's hard. Asking people to stop sleeping together to save themselves before marriage. That's hard. T telling someone that God is not being honored in your, your decision to get divorced, it's hard. Uh, counseling people that are deep in debt, that they need to make some lifestyle changes, that's hard. Being a leader is hard. But that is what leaders are called to do. But the confidence that I have in, in having those conversations and an infinite amount of other ones is that I don't stand on the opinion of Brian as the reason that it's right or wrong. No, I stand on the word of God. I, I look at the perfect example set to us by Jesus. And as you do that, you're going to see that Jesus is always leading us to keep the kingdom of God in mind way more than the kingdom of me. Even if that means that where he leads us is hard. One of the most striking texts that demonstrate this involves none other than one of my favorite characters in the Bible, 
Peter. Now, Peter was a passionate man that loved Jesus and deeply wanted to be led by him. Jesus had called Peter to, he said, hey, Peter, I want you to stop fishing for fish as a fisherman. I want you to actually come and follow me and start fishing for men as a disciple. And so for the next three years, Peter did just that. He was right by Jesus' side every step of the way. He saw miracles and sermons and healings and debates and, 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 and beatings and crucifixion. I mean, you name it, Peter was there. He was part of the close inner circle of Jesus that had three people in it, Peter, James, and John. But yet even Peter, that Peter, failed Jesus. He failed him so miserably that he denied even knowing him, even after Jesus told Peter, hey, you're, this is what you're going to do. I'm not sure if there is a bigger slap in the face than denying knowing someone that you clearly know. Especially someone you've spent life with that, that might even know you better than yourself. But that's what Peter did. He did just that. When pressed after Jesus' arrest, Peter crumbled and denied knowing Jesus at all. And that crushed Peter. And after Jesus died, the, the, the thought that this stain was going to go to his grave with him was just too much to take. But, but after Jesus' resurrection, there's this epic story when Peter goes back to fishing again. He decides to go become a fisherman again. And let's just say that when, when, when we meet up with Peter again, he's having a bad day um, and he's getting skunked fishing, okay? And he's about to pack it in and, and, when, and all of a sudden he's starting to pack it in there from the shore as a man and he starts to yell at him. He says, hey, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Try again. So, so amazingly, Peter doesn't laugh at this guy, but he does it. Takes the net out, nets out, throws it on the other side of the boat. And then wouldn't you know, fish buffet. Right? Fish buffet. Fishes, fishes are jumping into the net. Fish fillets for everybody's happening on. They are begging to be caught by Peter. He caught so many fish that they said they couldn't even drag the nets all the way into the boat. It was a catch of a lifetime. And almost immediately, Peter looks to the shore at that man that gave him all the suggestions and realizes in that moment, he realizes who it is. It's Jesus. There's no doubt. So, so, so check it out. No joke. Peter, it says in the Bible, says it takes out his outer garment. I don't know if he's skinny dipping. I'm not sure what he's doing. Takes out his outer garment, dives into the water, and he swims to shore. Now, can you imagine that? A grown man diving into the water, swimming to shore like a little boy at the lake. And when he gets there, he sees it's Jesus. The man he loved. The man he learned from. The man he followed. The man he saw die. The man he denied. The man he thought he would never see again is now standing in front of him very much alive and very much glad to see him. And what transpired next is nothing short of magnificent. Because after he gets done bringing in this miraculous catch, Jesus invites Peter to have breakfast with him on the beach, complete with fresh fish over a fire. Now let me tell you this, you can choose whatever fancy restaurant you want in the entire world. You can eat food that you can't even pronounce. You can drink wine that is older than Betty White. You can have a charcuterie board with all the finest meats and cheeses from across the globe. And I will let you have it because what I want is I want fish on the beach for breakfast with Jesus any day. And so would Peter. Because it was at this beach brunch that Jesus forgives Peter for denying him. 
restores the call on his life, but also tells him about his future. It's on that beach, on the heels of the greatest reunion since the new kids on the block got back together, that Jesus tells Peter about the next part of his journey in life. And Jesus actually describes another part of his leadership. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, and starting in verse 18, you'll read these words that it says, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So in this powerful moment, Jesus describes two aspects of Peter's life. I'll call it pre-Jesus and post-Jesus. Jesus starts off by telling Peter about when he was younger. He, he makes a reference to him being able to dress himself when he was younger. And, and now, now, by now, we have to realize that Jesus rarely uses direct language to make his point. And this is no exception. Okay, this, is, this has far less to do with about childlike independence and way more about spiritual interdependence. See, see, before Peter knew Jesus, he would go where he wanted to go, do what he wanted to do, whatever he wanted, right? He was untethered to anything, but he was lost. It wasn't until he met Jesus and that he learned about this true life that he could live and how Jesus was the only way to eternal life. It was only then that his independence of as a child was gone and his interdependence in Jesus is now established. He he still could go where he wanted to go if he wanted to, absolutely. But now he only wanted to go where Jesus was going. Jesus tells Peter that by following him fully, you're going to be led somewhere you don't want to go. And you're going to die knowing me. Jesus says this is the mission for Peter. This is the price for being led by Jesus. And this is what awaits all who call him Lord and Savior. And my friends, I'll be honest with you. The same sobering call that Jesus has for Peter is what he has for you and me. Being led by Jesus will mean death, to be sure. So for most of us in the West, though, it's not going to cost us our lives like it does our brothers and sisters in the Middle East. But you can rest assured that it will demand that you die to some things in your life. It may cost you success, respect, and prospects. It will ask you to die to your pride, your wants, and your desires. You will be asked to seek God for things other than good weather, a raise at work, or an A on a test. Jesus will ask that you and I have the same heart that David did. Listen to Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, we read, Search me, God, and know my heart. This is what David says. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David says, he says, lead me, God. Lead me. You can almost hear him pleading with God to find the things that are off in his life so he could walk closer with God. But in order for that to happen, it's going to hurt. Now, there's a term in the medical world that's called debridement. And debridement is the removal of dead or necrotic or infected skin tissue that, that actually helps to heal a wound. It, it's, it's, it's also done to remove foreign material from tissue as well. But, but when bad tissue is removed, the wound then can restart the healing process. 
But the way that you get rid of that dead skin, man, that's painful. Because it means you've got to scrape the wound and rough it up to take away the dead skin that's holding back the real healing process. And so when we ask God to search, to know, to test, and to see, in order for him to lead us, and when that happens, what we're asking him to do is to debreed our life. He want, we want him to remove all of the dead things that are holding us back from being healed and this is what Jesus did for Peter on that beach. He did that. He debrided Peter's life. And I can guarantee you that it will be a painful process when he does it in your life, just as it was in Peter's. He will poke at and he will rough up areas of sin in your life that you might have known were there, but also some ones that you didn't know was there. And I know this feeling. I know this feeling often in my journey with Jesus. Let me just share one example to you. I grew up in Rapid City, South Dakota, not the most diverse stretch of the United States by any imagination. So I grew up with this, with, with kind of a naive sense of the world around me and some unfounded stereotypes about other cultures and people as a whole. And it wasn't really until I went to college and played baseball with the guys of different races and cultures and different parts of the country that my eyes started to be opened. But I really fully didn't get it. That was until one night when I was out to dinner on the road with one of our pitchers. And his name was Carrick. And he was a, a good right-handed pitcher, tall, built, black man from St. Louis, Missouri. And, and he and I were on the road together and we, we went out to eat and, and we grabbed some food. I just happened to be in line first. And so I grabbed my food and I went and I sat down at a table to, to grab for both of us. And as I sat down at the table, then Carrick, all of a sudden, he kind of came over with his tray and he kind of stood next to me very awkwardly and like looked over me. And after a couple of like awkward moments, I looked up and I'm like, what's up? He says, I got to sit there. I said, What? I saw there was like a freshman, senior kind of razzing thing. I'm like, forget you, man, whatever. He said, no, no, no. I always sit so I can see the door. I said, what are you talking about seeing me? You sit by the see the door. I, he, said, he said, Hunt, I said, I need to face the door. And I realized he was serious. And so I got up. We switched seats so Carrick could face the door. So after we had settled down, I asked him, hey, man, dude, what's the deal with the seating arrangement thing? And so what I did is I just was real quiet and I sat and listened to him tell me about what it was like to grow up in St. Louis. How he never knew who was going to come through the door wherever he was at. And that he needed to know how to get out of places and also see what was coming at him. He, he told me about how baseball was the way that he got out of that environment. I had no frame of reference for any of the things that he was talking about. I never cared about where I sat in a restaurant. I've never feared for my life in a restaurant. I've never had to think about what I was going to do in my life to get out of anything. It was from that moment, though, that I decided that I needed to listen really well to understand. It was then that I asked God to, to search and to know and to test and to see areas in my life that I had either false stereotypes about people or I was just ignorant to it. And listen, that was just one area of my life that I needed God to debreed me in. There are so many other areas that I'm still being roughed up by him just so I can grow more. But we need that. God wants us to ask him to search, know, test, see. Because that's what following Jesus is all about. It's to seek him with all that we have. 
to be led by him in every direction of our life. To let him root out in us some nasty stuff that only he can heal from inside out. He wants us to have him lead us wherever he may go. Even if that means this life on earth is not what we want it to be. And, and some may, may see this as, as just too much. You know, I know a lot of people that say, you know, I love the idea of Jesus, but being led by him, no, 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 that's too much. They, they can't give up all the other masters in their life for the one master in Jesus. Jesus saw this happen firsthand. John chapter 6, if you have your Bibles too, open to John chapter 6. We see Jesus is preaching on some, a series of difficult projects to the, or subjects I should say, to the Pharisees and the crowds and all those disciples. I mean, he's really preaching some search, no, test and see kind of stuff, if you know what I mean. It's rooting around in some things, which is why we read this in John chapter 6, verse 60. It says this, on hearing it, all that hard stuff that Jesus just preached about, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? The disciples that had followed him for, for some time now looked at each other and said, that's hard. I'm not sure if I like what he's saying over there. And Jesus asked them, he says, does this offend you? That's a penetrating question. Uh, does this offend you? And, and this word offend is a word that we love in our society right now, don't we? We are offended by who people vote for, what political party they're aligned with, the music somebody listens to, what people put on social media. We, have, we are offended by views that other people have on issues. We are offended by what sports teams other people choose to cheer for. Everyone is offended by everything. Our world is hypersensitive to offense. Because an offense happens when something you believe in is in contrast to what someone else or another group believes. And when that happens, ooh, we bristle. No, 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 no. We, we stop talking to each other. We start hating each other in the blink of an eye. But let me ask you a hard question. Let me ask all of us a hard question. Does Jesus offend you? I really mean it. Does what Jesus teaches during his life that we're called to follow offend you? Does what Jesus says about marriage offend you? Does what Jesus says about sexuality offend you? Does what Jesus says about equality and justice offend you? Does what Jesus says about divorce offend you? Does what Jesus says about adultery offend you? Does what Jesus says about himself and eternal life that is offered only through him offend you? Does Jesus offend you? But before you answer that, let me give you a little bit more context. So, so the word offend in this scripture here is a Greek word. And the Greek word for offended is actually the word skandalazio. Scandalizio. And scandalizio means this. It means to cause to sin. So this means the offense that Jesus is referring to is so intense, he's saying, are you so offended that it would make you want to sin? 
But let's define what sin is. Sin is anything that we do, say, or think that is against what God says and disconnects us from him. So what this means is that we have to ask ourselves, are we so offended by what Jesus says that we would choose sin to go against God rather than follow what he says? Are we so stuck in what we want that we can't possibly change to what God wants? And what we find is that after Jesus asked these disciples this question, does this offend you? The Bible says many of them left. Men and women that had followed him, that had believed in him, they left. They were offended by Jesus. They were grumbling about Jesus. And what he said caused them to sin. And so they walked away. And you might say to yourself, oh, well. That was just the fringe followers. They weren't really devote followers. But as the crowds of people dissipate, we read these haunting words from Jesus directed at his 12 disciples. Now, these are the ones that he handpicked, called them followers to follow him. They were his followers. The men that he had lived life with, poured into, he had loved. He had, he had done life side by side. He taught them. Those men, those men, he turns and looks and he asks them this question. He asks them, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Jesus wanted to know, are you offended? Was being led by him too much for even the twelve closest to him? So what would they do? Would they leave him too? <laughs> and right when you expect Jesus to be alone feeling the dust kicked up from the retreating sandals, hitting him in the face. I want you to listen to who speaks up first. Look in verse 68. Verse 68 says, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Look who it is, Peter. The one from the beach, remember? The one that denied Jesus, the one that was guilty. That Peter, he said... Are you kidding? Jesus, we know too much. We've seen too much. We've experienced too much to want anything but what you offer. This is so powerful to understand. These men weighed out the cost of what it meant to be led by Jesus. What hardships might come. What hard things he taught. What hard roads they may have to travel. And after taking all of that in, they in essence borrowed a line from David's words when he said that they want to be led into the way everlasting. They say, Jesus, you're the only way to get there. Where would we go? My friends, that is what happens when you are led by Jesus. When Jesus gets a hold of you fully, you start to be offended, not by Jesus, by what, what the lies of the world are trying to feed you. You find yourself so unimpressed by the things of this world and you become enthralled with what Jesus offers you. You don't care about anything else but him. You set your eyes on Jesus and say, to whom shall I go if not you, Jesus? Because here's what we have to wrestle with. When it comes to answering the question of to whom shall I go? And the question is this. What are the alternatives to following Jesus? I mean, really, if, if, you, if we don't want to follow Jesus, 
what are we left with? And let me just briefly give you the three alternatives that you have to following Jesus. The first one is this. The first alternative following Jesus is you could follow yourself. That's right. You could just say, you know what? I'm going to do this on my own, God. I'm just going to, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be smart. I'm just going to do this whole thing myself. I'm just going to do that. And I would just say, you know that can't be true. You know that brokenness cannot create perfection. And so you know that you can't follow yourself in order to get to heaven. You don't know the way. So you could follow yourself. Number two, though, you could, you could follow another God. You could look at all the other world religions that are all around you. And I'll just tell you this, that every other world religion that you investigate, if you really dig into it, it is all about what you have to do in order to make God happy, in order to gain eternal life. Only in Christianity does God give his only son for free to you because of his death, his burial, his resurrection. He gives you grace. No other God is going to allow, is going to offer you what Jesus does. Or you could just say, you know what? I'm not going to follow God at all. You could say, you know, I'm an atheist. God doesn't exist. But we all know that if by you saying that God doesn't exist, you have to say that God exists because you can't believe in something that doesn't even exist and then say it does. Right. You, 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 you could follow no God. You could say, oh, there's no God. This is, this is the reality is, is that as you look at the alternatives for your spiritual leadership, only Jesus, only Jesus provides the purest and the most comprehensive solution to your sin in your eternal life. Gang, listen to me. When you first give your life over to Jesus, that's honestly the easiest part of the journey. It is. I mean, your soul breathes an eternal sigh of relief, yes. And as we said last weekend, it's as if you walk out of your sheep pen of sin into the green grass of grace led by the good shepherd in Jesus. Those first initial steps, although there are some nerves, are genuinely like exciting moments of this new adventure that you're on. But the real test of our faith comes when adversity hits. When we ask God to search and know and test and see our thoughts, our actions and our motives to see if they're in alignment with his. It's those moments that as we learn what God says is right and is good... When those things bump up against what we feel is right or maybe what we've always believed is right. It's when our upbringing comes in up against what God says. It's when what you want to be true is in conflict with what God said is true. It is that crossroads that we all come to when we follow God. Do we follow what God says or do we follow what we say? Jesus speaks directly to this crossroads by referring to the cross. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 9. Look at verse 23. He says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? My friends, as we come in this time to remember Jesus at communion, Jesus says that following him will have a cost and that cost is the cross. This is what Jesus is telling Peter on that beach. He said, one day you will go where you don't want to go. And what Peter didn't know is where he would be led to would be a cross, would be a crucifixion. But history tells us that Peter didn't feel worthy to be crucified like Jesus. And so he requested that he be crucified upside down. Listen, 
Peter didn't want to be led there. But he wanted to go where Jesus was. He wanted to follow him fully. He had to allow Jesus to lead him, even if it meant this life was going to be hard. I think Peter would have stood up and applauded at Paul's words that he wrote from a prison cell. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul would write, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The truth is that where we're led tells us where we'll head. Where we're led tells us where we're headed. That's the direction that we will go. Jesus. Jesus wants to lead you to life everlasting. But without a doubt, there will be hard times as he does that. But why communion is so important is that we can see that Jesus has already taken that hard path for us. He's taken on the cross. He's taken on death. He has taken on all that for us. And what he asks us to do is to follow him, to trust him, to choose life. By choosing Jesus, you're choosing life. If you don't choose Jesus, you're not choosing life. Jesus says, follow me, trust me, let me lead you. And the proof of that is in nail-scarred hands and nail-scarred feet. Jesus, Jesus alone is the way that you can be made whole. And at communion, we remember what he did for us, his love for us, how great he is. And so as we prepare our hearts for communion, as we pray in just a moment, I would pray that you would consider have you chosen life? Are you offended by Jesus because of what you're holding on to? Or are you ready to let him search, test, know, and see all those areas inside you? Because once he sees them, he can enlighten you and allow you to feel free, to feel whole, to feel his love. Choose life today. Choose life and let Jesus lead you. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.